Hello, you are about to listen to another episode of Beyond Clean, a podcast where we talk about everything that is healthy, positive, and proactive. I am your host, Dave Thompson. Yes, we are in Season 4. We broadcast out of Orlando, Florida. This is where the cleaning industry talks about everything that is healthy, positive, and proactive. We would love to have you on the show, so reach out to me, D. Thompson at academyofcleaning.com or at 888-999-6059. Be sure to listen to our live streaming that we will be doing this year on Podbean. Now, for today's show, let's get started. Good morning out there in podcast land. It is a Monday morning, the 3rd of February. It is 11 a.m. here on the East Coast, and it's time to talk floors today with Sean DeVore. Sean, are you on the line with us this morning? Yeah, good morning, Dave. How are you this morning? Well, I'm doing good. Uh, You know what? Before we start today's show, I want to kind of do something. Uh, Everybody's heard the intros. If you haven't, go back and listen to a show. We'll dispense with all of that formality today. Um, I wanted to kind of start today by actually talking a little bit about Mannington Mills. Now, I don't know if you know about Mannington Mills out there, folks, but you know what? I had to do a little bit of thinking about this because I was on a trip this last week, and I went by a couple of different flooring plants in the Georgia area, and I got to thinking, you know what, Sean? We've been talking several times, and I didn't know where Mannington Mills was actually on, so I had to look it up this morning. <laughs> and, and, and Salem, New Jersey. Now, Mannington Mills is where Sean DeVore uh, works. He, he's a rep for them. I'll let you tell him tell you more about that. But I got to looking on here. Vinyl plank, vinyl, uh, luxury sheet vinyl, hardwood, laminate, um, is there a flooring material that Mannington Mills doesn't make? Ceramic tile and VCT. We no longer manufacture vinyl composition tile. All right. So it's Sean DeVore. We're going to talk about all things floors, but I think mainly our uh, uh, conversation today is going to be about carpets. So, Sean, uh, take it away. Let people know who you are and why we're talking today. Well, my name is Sean DeVore. I'm the North Florida and South Georgia representative for Mannington Commercial. I handle the commercial side of the business uh, here in my my territory or my region. And I've uh, been a rep for about 30 years now and uh, working in the commercial environment. All right. So why are we talking about carpet today? I mean, you know, we've always talked about luxury vinyl floors before, but for some reason you wanted to talk about carpet today. Well, there's been a change in the, in the uh, I guess, in the stain department and soiling department of commercial carpet. And I wanted to discuss that a little bit about carpet fiber and what makes a product perform at the level of expectation that the end user wants. And I think that's an important subject to cover. So we're, you know, I always teach in class that there's a difference between a spot and a stain. So before we get into the makeup of the fiber, is that a correct statement? Yeah, I, there's several different things that goes on with carpet. There's soiling. Soiling is your everyday traffic that comes in 
to the building that gets tracked and you often see traffic patterns or down the middle of a corridor in front of an elevator cab those are that's soiling then there's a stain which is where someone spills a cup of coffee and then that's a that's a stain and has to be removed individually and, and trying to identify that stain and figure out what it is and how to remove it and I'm not sure what else there would be Okay, so this is, you know, this is a neat thing, folks. You're on Podbean Live with Sean and Dave, and we're going to be talking about things. And I knew that at some point we were going to have a difference of opinion. <laughs> well, I would hope so. I mean, that's how we both learn. Right. So I, I always talk about it this way. Soiling or spots is when something spills and I can remove it. A stain is whenever I've changed the fabric of the carpet, the coloring, and I can't remove it except if I take a, a knife and cut it out or take it all out or take a carpet score out. Yeah, I would agree with that statement. Okay, so we don't have a difference of opinion. No, I just don't. I don't think of it from a from your eyes. You're, you think of it as a from a maintenance standpoint, and I think about it from a manufacturer standpoint. So to me... Uh, uh, a stain or a soil is just um, like a difference of way of maybe defining something. Of course, and see, and that's the reason that we've got Sean on with us today, folks, is because, you know, this is a way that we all look at things. So from a manufacturer's viewpoint, when you're talking about it, but what we're talking about is what happens when a piece of material gets a of dirt or spot or something on it, what do we do? And why do we need to know what the material is made of and what does that have to do with anything? What I try to do with most people when I'm talking about soiling or staining or traffic patterns, I try to break it back to laundry. I mean, that's, that's the easiest way to do it because everybody knows when you wear a shirt, whether you take it to the laundry and have it dry cleaned and pressed uh, or if you like a pair of wool pants, maybe, or a nice dress shirt, or if it's a pair of jeans that you've wore out um, outside on Saturday working in the yard, you get it, they get soiled, and you take them and you put them in the laundry. And each one of those things, whether, and, and to add to that statement would be a, a white terry cloth towel that you've used in the bathroom. So all three of those things I mentioned are cleaned different ways. And it's because of what's on them and also uh, what, what color they are and, and how they're dyed. So a pair of wool pants uh, that you would wear as dress slacks that you won't press, you have to dry clean them because water uh, would shrink them and damage them. And that's the same thing that would happen to a, a piece of wool carpet. Um, you don't want to over, over water it or, or hot water extract it in such a way that you would cause it to shrink or pull away from the seams. And if you look at uh, a white terry cloth towel, you want to bleach that because of the stains that are on that towel or what you might have used it for and use chlorine bleach in your laundry. And that would be with a solution dyed carpet. And then with your colored, like your blue jeans, your colored uh, clothes, you use a warm bath of water and you um, don't use harsh chemicals on it. And that would be a yarn dyed or a piece dyed piece of carpet. So I, I try to re relate it back to people, things that people can understand. So they understand that, a, you have to wash carpet and you have to clean it just like you do your clothes. And then you have to categorize it into categories so that you know how to clean it. So it, it's very important to understand 
what type of carpet you have and what fiber it is and how it was dyed in order to know how to clean it. So whenever you're talking with somebody, Sean, and you're going out there and, um, and, and I imagine that you get called all the time, I have an issue, come and correct it for me. Yeah, because it's always the carpet's problem. It's never the, the, <laughs> the whatever they've put on it before they called me or whatever it was stained with. They, um, it's my problem because it is, as you would refer to it as a stain, it won't come out now. So and and usually, Sean, that's whenever they have already tried everything under the sun before they call sure. you. And if yeah. they would have called you beforehand, it wouldn't now be a stain. Yeah, I tried very hard to emphasize with all my clients, please um, call me when you drop something on the carpet. You've probably it's probably been there for twenty four hours anyway before you noticed it, and just or before facilities was called, just leave it alone and call me first, and then let me uh, help you get you know, find a, a solution to it. Okay, so what do we want to look at today? I mean, because, you know, from the Academy's viewpoint, we're always talking about how to remove the soils, the day-to-day -day soils, and that being the biggest part of carpet maintenance, no matter what type of carpet is, is there. Uh, what is the biggest thing that you're wanting to talk about today? Well, I think talking about the technology that's changed or that is currently changing in the market with uh, fiber technology. Um, a lot of the commercial fibers now are solution dyed. So if you think about a blue solution makes a blue carpet fiber. So okay. the, the color of the carpet is inherent to the uh, product. It can't be bleached out or it can't be faded out with ozone or, um, rays from the sun so it's it's a uh, the technology is com completely changed as well as stain protection as well um, okay so but if i've got carpet that's older what's the difference between the solution dye and what i have so carpet that's been installed for over 10 years uh is a possibility of being piece dyed so that it was a the carpet was made as a white piece of carpet without a backing and then was dipped into a dye bath and dyed. Uh, we often use the, the fun term called dip and ship. And <laughs> so the color is not permanent to the product, so it will bleach out. So putting a high pH product on it or a, a high alkalinity product on it can change the way that it looks. Um, or if you bleach it, it'll take the color right out of it. Then you okay. damage the product. Pardon me just a moment because I want to make sure that our listeners get all of what we're talking about here on our live stream this morning. You're mentioning high pH. High pH to me might be different than to you. So what would that be? So you want something that's neutral around seven is what you're looking for your cleaning to be. So if you used some, there was a lot of the orange cleans and uh, citrus cleaners that came out that are higher and they will actually change the color of the carpet because you're changing the pH in the carpet. So in other words, we're not, we're not wanting to use a nine or a 10 on, on the alkaline, but we don't want to use uh, a, a five or a six on the other side. Correct. You don't want to go too low and you don't want to go too high. You want to stay in the middle towards a neutral. And so that's going to cover us on both sides, no matter whether it's the piece dyed carpet or the solution dyed being neutral in our cleaning process is going to be the best route. Yeah. And 
what the technology that's changed now, we're just on most of the carpets that we manufacture and several of our competitors also, we only recommend if you're going to use hot water extraction, which there's a whole debate between dry chemical and hot water extraction. But if you're going to use hot water extraction, then just use hot water and then go back and address those areas. Like you were mentioning earlier, the stains or the soiling with a neutral cleaner uh, if you have, if your hot water doesn't get it out. But our current technology we have now, the fiber does not have an affinity for coffee, tea, uh, red dye 40, or anything that has a negative charge, uh, an acid-based stain. So if it doesn't have, uh, it doesn't have an affinity for it, so it doesn't take it. It's like two magnets using the, the same side of the magnets, two negative sides. The two magnets don't want to be together. They right. want to oppose each other, and right. that's how the carpet fiber is now. And and so what we're talking about is that, and I know a little bit about construction of carpet because of all of the years and, and going through it. We used to see carpet fibers that actually hid the carpet or hid the soils, mm -hmm. and and actually uh, absorbed it to some point. And you're saying now our technology doesn't do that. Well, that's the newer technology. There's a for traditionally back in the back 15 20 years ago and then even up until today there's a lot of fibers that the carpet fiber has a positive charge and your dyes have a negative charge so those negative charges are acid-based stains coffee tea kool-aid red wine those kinds of things all have an acid change uh, acid charge to a negative and the way that the stain protection is added to the product is the same aspect. So if you have a clear polymer that's your stain protection, that, that is your stain protection, and that is a negative charge and your fiber is positive, that's how you get the clear polymer to attach to the fiber and close the dye sites is by using negative positive attraction. And a lot of fibers that are still out there in the commercial market are still stain protected that way when you see a topical stain resistance that's added that the company's marketing it's a positive negative attraction and over time when you hot water extract it you traffic on it you walk on it that protection gets walked off so when you see a hot coffee a cup of hot coffee spilled on the carpet it opens the dye site and then cools and dries, and it's now colored the yarn brown. So that's why you can't get the, the stain out. And so then what we're saying is, do I really want to use hot water extraction? And if I do, I shouldn't be using a high alkaline. I should be using a neutral. Correct. And the thought process between hot water extraction is that you're going to heat the fiber up, open the dye site, remove the soil, and then the dye site closes when it cools and you've removed the soil or the stain from the area with the new, that was the theory in the past. Now it doesn't really matter because the soil is basically sitting on top of the fiber and has no affinity for it. And what you said earlier about hiding the soil, that there was a lot of technology went into carpet fiber that had to do with um, hiding soil. So you have different shapes of fiber Antron has a four-sided holocore fiber. Um, 
a lot of the type 6 fiber out there is trilobal or modified delta shape. So those were all tricks on how to hide soil or refract light because carpet fiber is a lot like a pair of sunglasses. You can, it has color, but you can see through it. So it refracts light and hides soil. And now we've moved not only into light refraction, but we've moved into uh, developing fibers that have no affinity for soil or stain. If you have joined us, and I see that we've got, uh, oh, probably about half a dozen people on the line with us today, I want to say thank you for being able to join us here live on Podbean Live. I know that we've had a couple callers want to call in, but I didn't want to interrupt Sean when he was talking some of this technical stuff. So if you want to call in and have a, a question about carpeting and soils and stuff for Sean or I, please do so. Um, Sean, I'm, I'm like very curious we out here in the in the field, uh, the people that you deal with all the time are having to deal with carpet that is 20 and 30 years old. And now we've got new technology. Does this really change the way that we need to look at doing things today? Or do we keep doing the same thing we've been doing? I would say at this point, you do the same thing that you've been doing. I mean, there's you have dry chemical clean and hot water extraction or and daily vacuuming. I mean, your best friend in, in my, my side of the business when it comes to carpet is your vacuum. So having a, a, a vacuum that has twin motors on it, one for your um, suction, and then one that runs your beta bar or runs with your beta bar, having twin motors on it is, is the perfect kind of vacuum to have and vacuum as much as possible because that keeps the soil out of the carpet. And here in Florida, keeps the sand off of it, which... <laughs> um, acts as razor blades on the carpet fiber and breaks it down so vacuuming and a combination of hot water extraction and dry chemical clean is what i usually recommend well and and the thing is is what we talk about here at the academy is the very first thing that you mentioned now i i call it dry extraction rather than vacuuming because i really haven't found too many vacuums that really do a good deep Correct. job of it so we talk more about extraction and dry extraction with no chemicals just with using a good uh, double brushing system that actually removes a lot of soil down and deep my question i guess as we're talking technical stuff today sean mm -hmm. does a double brush unit without a vacuum tear up the carpet. And then this is what some of my students have always asked, you know, because we promote using this double brush pile lifting unit to remove the dry soil before you actually start with any cleaning chemicals whatsoever. And their question always is, but what is that going to do to my carpet? Is it going to tear my carpet up? Is long term on this? I know what I tell them. I'd like to hear what you say. No, a pile lifter is by far one of the best pieces of equipment I think that was ever invented. Um, they do not hurt the fiber at all and they agitate it and lift it and then remove soil from it. And that I always recommend that if I'm in a situation where I have a, a large, I have a large end user. I do a lot of business with it's a secondary education client and they I'll often come in and they're, they're talking about replacing a building or uh, doing a lot of work. And, and we'll often, I'll recommend a pile lift and a hot water extraction after the pile lift and vacuum 
to see if we can restore the carpet rather than replace it because sometimes budgets are so much you know are very important and these colleges have a hard time trying to decide what they need to replace and what they need to repair so a power lifting machine is i think a necessity for any large end user or anyone in the business that ha needs a power lifting machine now do you believe that using one of these in place of an upright vacuum would be a bad thing or a good thing in my opinion i think they should be used in combination i i would use a pile lifter to loosen the soil and if that machine does not have a vacuum on it uh, a motor on it then i would come behind it with a vacuum cleaner and and try to remove as much soil as possible because if you don't remove any of the soil and you go in there with say you do go in there with hot water extraction and it's not truck mounted it's a machine you just get creating mississippi mud you know you're just moving dirt around and okay so this is where we we you know we're looking at what do we do what are best practices and of course the academy is always talking about best practices and this is why we have our podcast channel is so that we can talk through these things because we don't want this to be just one person's version or one uh, academy or one uh, you know, area. You're talking about the first thing that we need to do is soil removal before we start working with any of the pH or cleaning products. That's correct. I, I always talk about vacuum, vacuum, vacuum. And most of my, my customers, they don't have pile lifters or they've, a lot of my in-use clients have never even seen one. They don't even know what it is. Yeah, that's correct. They've never even heard of it. And so my my whole thought here is, if we would simply write, you know, bring the carpet up. I mean, you know, heck, uh, from some of my time being on the farm and working with landscaping and stuff, we aerated the yard. You know, we gave it where it could breathe and where stuff could stand up. You know, I think this is what I kind of look back to that and say, that's what we're doing here. If we open up the carpet fabric that gets pushed down, matted down, and bring it and let it open up, then whatever process we use after that is going to work even better. Definitely. I, I, I completely concur 100%. Now, we're not talking about that doesn't make it any difference of what type of carpet is, does it? No, it has nothing to do with the type of carpet. You're, what, all you're doing is coming up with a, all we're doing is coming up with a more efficient way to maintain and clean it. Thank you for those that are joining us uh, live. Uh, if you want to call in, uh, we've got a little bit of a pause here. We've been on the air now for about 20 minutes. We thank you for joining us here on Podbean Live. Yes, this is a live stream. We're talking about carpet today with Sean DeVore. He is a representative from Mannington Mills. And as I learned this week, they're out of Salem, New Jersey. So... Does this conversation today about carpet have to do with uh, broadloom carpet, carpet tiles? Uh, what do, does it make a difference? And what are, I guess I get, since we're talking technical today, Sean, what's mm -hmm. the differences? Well, the conventional wisdom of our conventional carpet is, has always been broadloom, which is 12 foot wide, 12 foot six wide, or in some residential uh, application it is um, 15 foot wide but for the most part in the, our commercial environment uh, carpet tile is the leader now 
So you have all different sizes of carpet tiles, 24 by 24, 19 by 19, 18 by 36, 12 by 48. There's all different platforms of carpet tile that's out there in the, in the market now. And that's where the industry is going on the commercial side. Uh, for those reasons that you mentioned earlier, for high traffic areas or a place that gets completely uh, soiled or stained, you can remove one carpet tile and replace it with attic stock or move tiles around uh, in order to maximize wear. So is that the main reason that the commercial markets went that way from a manufacturer's viewpoint? I think convenience of manufacturing, convenience of shipping, convenience all the way around installation. Uh, you can install something a lot faster. If, you, if For instance, if you have a, a large call center that has you know, four people for every 100 square foot sitting in a call center. You can, you don't have to remove the furniture. You can simply use a patented lift system to lift it. You slide the old carpet tile out, you slide a new one in, and you don't have to continue, uh, remove all that furniture out of the room. If you think about Broadloom, if you're doing a call center or if you're doing a, a, an office, you um, have to take the desk and stand it on end and walk it out of the, the room and, and go and put your carpet in there and then put everything back. With carpet tile, you, you don't have to do that. So I think it's a lot. It's convenience on everybody's side. The manufacturing side, like I mentioned, for shipping and handling and manufacturing and also on the, the end user side, it, as far as you know, turnover and, and replacement, it's so much faster. So the thing is, is whenever uh, I say, whenever it really gets stained where I can't remove the issue that's there, we're talking about convenience from there, that, that side. Correct. And then to go back what you were talking about when, when you're talking about cleaning, it's important to know what you have down because a, a there's some broad looms out there, some olefin fibers that are $4 a square yard. So they're, you're under $10 a yard installed in a very, that would probably be in a three year lease facility in a class B building, uh, that is very inexpensive product and would not hold up to an aggressive cleaning from a pile lifter or a hot water extraction to where that the carpet is actually designed to be replaced. Uh, when it, but if when we're it, talking carpet tiles, that's not the case. Correct. On carpet tiles is a completely other end of that spectrum. You're, you've got a, uh, the backing goes onto the product as a liquid. It totally encapsulates the yarn bundle on the back. Uh, so you have a waterproof substrate and uh, moisture does not penetrate all the way through so the stain stays on top and you can clean it a lot more aggressively and typically they're made with a, a better fiber. Okay, so now I had uh, an issue uh, here at the academy uh, about a week and a half ago where they were having the adhesive come up between the tiles of VCT and I got to thinking about this when we we're talking carpet tiles. Do we ever have this issue with hot water cleaning and the chemicals and everything of the adhesive that the carpet tiles are put down coming back up between the tiles? No. Carpet tile is put down with a releasable adhesive, a pressure-sensitive adhesive, somewhat like, you know, VCT is also put down with a uh, pressure-sensitive adhesive. But... Um, it's rolled on with a 16th inch square notch trial or it's, I mean, trialed on or it's rolled on with a paint roller. Uh, so it's very, very thin application. We actually also use spray adhesive uh, or 
tabs where it's not even glued down. Now that's where we've had some issues. Uh, we've all come, all the manufacturers that came out with a, a, a tab that glues to the back of the carpet tile with a uh, patented adhesive, releasable adhesive. And so the, in essence, the tiles are floating across the top of those tape tabs and a truck mounted hot water extraction unit can sometimes pull those off the floor. <laughs> That's what I was kind of wanting to get to. I was wondering if he was going to go there, Sean, because yeah, you know, we've got a lot of truck mounted um, people out there and, you know, they turn up the suction they turn up these, they crank these machines up and, you know, I've seen them, you know, lift tiles right up off of the floor. And, yeah. and this goes back to what you're saying. We need to know what we're cleaning before we just go in and say, well, this is what we do. Yeah, because you can apply, if you apply too much water to an action back product that doesn't have a high performance secondary backing, the moisture is going to go through into the back and possibly get into the adhesive. Whereas you have a, a, a piece of car broadloom carpet that has a substrate that's made of PVC, then uh, a high abuse type backing, the moisture is not going to go through. And carpet tiles are, are similar. There's all different types of carpet tiles, but almost every carpet tile backing is a some type of waterproof backing because it, the if you think of a 24 by 24 carpet top, that's what we call a platform. And it has to be sustainable on that platform and, and rigid in, enough that it won't curl or cup uh, when walked on or changes in humidity. So it has to stand on its own. So all carpet tiles have some type of rigid backing or waterproof backing. And, and this is the difference between the carpet tiles, or I call them squares of, of yesteryear to what we have today is, I, I think you use the word sustainable. I, yeah. you're, you're, you're meaning that we don't have the turn up on the corners that we used to have some 15, 20 years ago. Yeah, because nylon fiber and 90% of what's sold in the United States is nylon of some sort, either type six or six, six. There is olefin I mentioned earlier. As far as I know, there may be some olefin carpet tiles out there, but that fiber really doesn't make its way onto the carpet tile market. Um, nylon is affected by moisture or by humidity. And it will absorb a certain percentage of its weight, somewhat like a sponge, in moisture. And it works its way into the fiber. And what that does is it causes the fiber to expand like anything would. And if you don't have a rigid inner layer to that carpet tile, when that fiber is exposed to humidity, whether it be hot water extraction or it be uh, change like a school that shuts off the air in the summertime and the humidity comes up, those carpet mm -hmm. tiles will buckle and, you know, move all over the place. And that's, and so that's now, fast. So now you're getting to a point where I was wanting to go with this. Uh, I, you know, when, I think, Sean, we all have our, our go-to program, our go-to best practice. Yeah. And I know that here at the Academy, we try to talk about all of them, but it's hard. It, it really is hard not to kind of lean a certain way. Yeah, and, and, and for what you're talking about, because all of these products are, well, there's there's a lot of moisture issues. Tell me what you feel about, you know, as we already said, dry extracting first, but I like to use low moisture 
cleaning compounds, if at all possible, and use water extraction as my last program. Your feeling? Yeah, we we I completely agree with that that scenario. So you use your dry extraction, whether it be combination of vacuum cleaner and uh, power lifter, and then you come in with your uh, low moisture cleaning system and you apply your your chemical. Um, those things are designed to those on the polymer level are designed to grab soil and hold on to it. And then you come back and use your pile lifter again, which helps agitate the fiber up and removes the soil. Some high traffic areas in front of elevator cabs or uh, queues and banks where you have a lot of pivot and soil removed or outdoor soil coming in, you're almost going to have to use some type of uh, extraction to, to water liquid extraction to help loosen that soil and bring it out if your dry is not working. But um, my, my concern with dry is the people sometimes working the equipment get in a hurry and they don't get all of the residue uh, back out, which is the chemical that you applied to it back out. And what eventually leads to having to hot water extract is try to get some of that, the rest of that residue out. That's my, that's just my opinion. Okay. I've got to take a little bit of a break here. We're talking with Sean DeVore. Um, we've been talking about carpets. We've been talking about all kinds of things, technical stuff. Yes, folks, we are on Podbean Live. This is live streaming. This is, uh, I think, our sixth or seventh show for this year. I've even lost track myself. And probably later on the year, we're going to lose complete track of where we are. But you know what? You're with us today. Uh, we still have one of our callers on the line with us. I thank you for listening. I know several people have come in and out today. If, in fact, you have heard us on Podbean Live, follow us, share. This is the way it is. I want to say thank you to those that have helped uh, come in in the first month of January. We have, well, quadrupled our listenership in January. We're looking for more here since we're just now starting February. Now, I want to ask a question, Sean. We're not really saying that I have to use water extraction because technology of carpet does absorb moisture. Is there any absolute don'ts when we talk about the new advances primarily going to carpet squares or tiles, which is the industry is going to, right? Yeah, the industry is moving towards carpet tile. Broadloom production is, is way off comparatively. The Broadloom is now used in assisted living facilities, and in um, casinos where they want the patterns and, and actually now the pattern pattern work with carpet tiles has gotten uh, to where the point that if you don't want a, a definite repeat of a pattern, then carpet tile can still do some of the things that they, they, they do in those applications. And you see the big flowers and big, um, you know, patterns that are repeated. So, I would say that the industry is is definitely been updated, but the cleaning is kind of remained the same. I don't know that we're the unfortunate thing is the manufacturers don't really talk to the cleaning companies, which I have never really understood. Amen, and that's why we're talking with that's the carpet manufacturer today. Hey, 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 I got a question here because uh, we have a listener that says here, "Is there any way I can have carpet tiles in my house and not feel?" 
feel the cold on my feet every day. Uh, this has been some of the issues that people have said. Now, I know we're talking commercial stuff today, but hey, we got a listener who wants to answer a question here. Sure, you can go to, there's a couple manufacturers out there making residential carpet tiles. You can go to a local flooring store in your community, or you can go to one of the big box stores and, and buy uh, carpet tiles. Uh, and that would definitely give you some type of R value for the floor. Is there, an, is there an underlayment or anything that can be put underneath there to add, or is that something that you wouldn't want to do? You don't want to do that with carpet tile because they would move around. So, yeah, you just would lay them on whatever substrate that you already have. Just keep it in mind if you were in a, if you have a ceramic tile down that has a deep grout joint, you know, eventually that is going to telegraph through the carpet tile depending on how thick the pile is on the carpet tile. Some of the residential carpet tiles, you'd never see it. And so if it's a lower pile product, you, you may, uh, but it would take a long time. You know, I have heard that people are actually getting carpet tiles to cover up flooring that they don't like and that that way it's easier to pull it up, go back or change. Is this really one of those convenience factors? Yeah, definitely. I mean, if you, I'm working on a project now that uh, the end user actually has several different types of substrate down. They've got ceramic and they've got VCT and they still have some VAT, where, which is hot for asbestos. So in that application, we're going to use a product called, uh, I'll use a name brand called VersaShield. And VersaShield is an underlayment for carpet tile designed to go over high moisture areas uh, or to encapsulate moisture or to go over VAT where you don't want to disturb it so that there's a barrier between the flooring on top and the product up under it. So this product is designed to and warranted to install carpet tile on top of it. So what you're also saying is that there's proper ways to go about this for laying this over something, then we have to do certain things or warranties are in jeopardy here. Yeah, definitely. You just can't lay carpet. You can't lay carpet tile over carpet. And there was some technology out there, and I won't go into it for a while, that, that they were doing that because some of the military bases were trying to come up with ways. They had a lot of asbestos tile, and they had immense cost involved with abating those areas. Mm -hmm. And they were trying to look for all types of alternatives because the first stage was they had glued broadland carpet to the top of that tile. The oh, yeah go to pull it up it pulls up all the tiles and destroys right. asbestos uh -huh. so so now we're now we're to the point that most of that stuff's been removed but there are some buildings and some of these older college campuses and some of the military bases that still have asbestos uh vat tile down and they're trying to figure out ways to go over it and there's been products designed that work this versus shield product it lays perpendicular to the direction of a if you had something that had a direction, you'd want to lay it perpendicular to it. With carpet tile, you install, you lay the Versa Shield out, and then you uh, tape the seams with their patented tape, and it lays across the top of everything. And then you install your glue, your carpet tile to it. You know, I, I think there's a number of different calls that we get here at the academy, and I remember one that happened here about uh, three weeks ago, where it was just like what you said. Uh, they had glued down a broad loom carpet over tiles, and now they want to take the broad loom up, 
and take the adhesive off to go back to the VCT. And I said, well, that's going to be an almost. I said, well, why don't you just put carpet tiles back? So if we've got a customer that is taking a broad loom off that was glued, how much do they have to, do they have to remove all the adhesive before or what do they do if they want to go to carpet tiles and remove the broad loom? So I'll talk about my perfect world that I live in. <laughs> Where's that? I want to go visit that world, Sean. So in my perfect world that I live in, broad loom adhesive reacts with carpet tile adhesive and causes what's known as plasticizer migration. So oh boy, we are getting technical now, folks. Yeah. So what happens is the two adhesives don't really like each other, so they start fighting and they create a white goo. And that goo will come up through the joints of the carpet tile because it expands and causes a loose, uh, wet, nasty environment under the carpet tile. So in answer to your questions, in my perfect world on a concrete substrate, yes, I want all the broad loom adhesive scraped or removed mechanically, uh, either sanded or scraped off the floor. And then we put a primer on the floor. And then we come back with our adhesive. That's in my perfect world. Um, the other ways to do that are to remove your broadloom carpet, mechanically scrape the floor as much as you can by hand using scrapers or um, hand devices without a machine, and then come back and use a cementitious underlayment skim coat from like Mapay or Ardex and skim coat over the old adhesive and then go over that with new adhesive and put the carpet tile down. So those are all things that we encounter um, in the commercial flooring. I had a job in Jacksonville the other day that had uh, broadloom down originally. Then they had came back with carpet tile. Then they had removed that, put LVT down, and they had three layers of adhesive. Oh, my. That had not been properly removed, and they had had plasticizer migration into the LVT, and our best bet and they had moisture problems in about a third of the the site so we had to go in and do it a, an epoxy moisture mitigation system and encapsulate all of it had to first grind the floor with a diamond right. grinder mm -hmm. so there's a lot of different just depends on the job i guess folks we have been talking with sean devore with mannington mills uh you're on Podbean live with us this is Beyond Clean with Ace. Uh, it is serviced and, well, I should say powered by Jim Supply out of Orlando, Florida. Sean, you know, I think the thing here is I knew I would get you to that goo that comes up between the, the carpet <laughs> tiles. Yeah, I knew I could get you there. Yeah, you got me there. You see, and, and this is the thing is, is, is it, we in the maintenance end of it, this is what we see and people come up with it and they go, well, what is this? So what you just answered is typically that goo that comes up between the tiles is because somebody didn't put them down right. And there's nothing you can do from the top that's going to change this, correct? No, that, that migration of adhesive will continue to work its way up into the carpet fiber and then you're talking about using a you have to use some type of emulsifier to remove the stain because it's uh, an adhesive and you'd have to use an adhesive remover, remover to get aggressive with it and then you st it's still going to continue to it's never going to stop 
And then that right. adhesive remover is going to penetrate down and cause more sure. problems. And this is what I told somebody the other day is, if that goo is coming up between your carpet tiles, it's time to take the carpet tiles up, get it right. And this is where you were saying, it's not just an easy fix. No, it's an expensive fix. If you're looking at, um, if you skim, if you sand it mechanically and skim coat it with a cementitious underlayment or uh, you are looking at somewhere about 80 cents a foot on this, on the minimum side. And then if you're, if you end up doing a mitigation, you're looking at doing something at closer to 550 a foot if it's a moisture mitigation. Now, we've only got so much time on each one of our podcasts, and we like to keep these down to around a 45 minute. And we're here at the end of our show for today. Sean, uh, I have a feeling we could talk a lot more about the carpet and exact, exactly going into carpet tiles and taking care of them and everything. And I think there's more issues than what people, well, really believe there is. Yeah, I mean, our industry is, it's gotten very, very technical lately. Uh, we have a lot of, lot more issues. We're dealing with moisture. These buildings are uh, being built faster. There's additives being added to the concrete. There's, uh, you have tilt wall construction where they put the walls up and pour the concrete inside. Uh, there's all kinds of things that we're reacting to with high moisture backings and trying to and high moisture adhesive, trying to overcome RH values. So there's a, a lot of things we could talk about that um, has come up in the last you know ten years with construction as well as with manufacturing and trying to respond to that because of and it all comes down to money because like I mentioned, more uh, a, an epoxy mitigation system on the minimum side is five dollars and fifty cents a foot. If I can come up with a carpet tile backing for a uh, dollar fifty a foot or a dollar fifty a square yard, rather, um, which you're at a very low cost at twenty five cents or thirty cents a foot compared to five fifty, that'll overcome that RH moisture problem, and that's that's the way they're going to go. So yeah, there's a there's a long list of things we could talk about. So I kind of want to before we go today. Um, Give me, uh, if you will, a high since we talked of last month and a low uh, in, in what you're seeing out there. The high is that the economy is doing really well right now and business is good. It's continuing to, to prosper on the commercial side. We see a lot of activity, not so much on the capital project side, which are large funded projects, but most of the universities are doing a lot of facility maintenance work that hasn't been done in years. So um, replacing the, you know, the carpet and in, in the buildings that were its existing buildings, we're seeing more of that uh, on the agenda for this year. That would be the, the high side. Um, I guess on a, on a, a low side, um, we're still, I still fight with general contractors on trying to cheapskate a job and, and do it the cheap way <laughs> and then end up, paying for it on or making the end user pay for it on the backside. I've had a, I've had two projects where the general contractor rushed the sub into doing the work and doing it um, in a substandard way. And now we are having to go back and disrupt the end user and move furniture and change things because the GC pushed the job. So that would be the low side. Now folks, uh, you've been listening to Sean DeVore, um, rep for Mannington Mills.
we have been on Podbean Live. Had the opportunity to visit Sean at his home this past week. And I have to say, you probably would not guess this listening to us talk about carpet and stuff that he likes chickens. <laughs> yeah, well, I would say that I have to like them because my wife does. So we have, yeah, we, we're about pushing about 70 now, I think. Okay, so maybe next time when you come on, folks, you know, keep coming back. Sean's going to be with us at least once a month, maybe even more, depending on what we want to talk about. So if you have a love for all kinds of different types of chickens, I think we probably could talk about that as much as we can talk about carpet. Yeah, if you want to talk about a, a Polish top hat or a Japanese bantam, I might be able to help you out. <laughs> you know what uh, we had to leave there with a whole dozen of multicolored eggs and my wife says they're almost too pretty to do anything with I said let's not do that I think they're going to taste good Sean we appreciate you being on the air uh, representing Mannington um, today any parting words before we come back on uh, the show next year uh, next month no just uh, always remember if you have a, a, a stain or a soil mark in your carpet tile please call someone who's qualified to, to to help you get it out before you put resolve or bleach or whatever you think you might want to clean on a dawn dishwashing liquid i've even heard of that so uh don't put anything on it just call somebody and if you want to learn some more about that come to a class at the academy of cleaning excellence if you go to our website academyofcleaning.com you'll find a listing of not only our online classes, but also the live classes. We actually do simulcast our education uh, to many different campuses around the United States. Matter of fact, if you're keeping up with things that are in the news lately, uh, infection prevention is a very hot topic. And on April the 2nd, we will have a nationwide simulcast of our infection prevention course uh, coming out of uh, Orlando, going out to uh, several different campuses, and you can catch it also uh, through a live stream as we're doing here today. Sean, thank you for being with us. Um, and, uh, you know, hey, let me know if there's something we need to talk about in the way of flooring, and let's schedule something for next month. Sounds like a great idea. Thank you so much for having me, Dave. I really enjoy this. And I always like to tell everybody there's only one thing you take with you when you leave this planet, and that's your knowledge. So please share. And to that point, please share what you have heard here today that we are on Podbean Live. We do this live streaming. I have another one scheduled for later. Well, it won't be this week. We've got a four-day master class coming tomorrow. We are powered by Gym Supply, where they have been uh, giving out uh, cleaning supplies that help change lives for over, well, I think 90 years now. So anyway, uh, we will be back next month with Sean, next week with another podcast. Like I say with every class, with every podcast, whatever you're going to do, make sure that you keep it healthy positive and proactive. We'll talk to you on our next cast. We're out of here. Thanks, Dave. See you.